0: This is episode number 42 with Sean Neff of The Founder Podcast.
1: Discover exactly what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur and what's possible through entrepreneurship from the greatest minds in business today. Welcome to The Founder Podcast. Here's your host, Nathan Chan.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host, coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. Don't know if my voice sounds a little bit squeaky or or a bit nasally, I've actually had a really bad cold at the moment. So look, uh, I'm really excited about today's guest, but before I tell you a little bit about him, I just wanted to take the time to acknowledge A previous guest of our show and front cover feature of issue 20 of Founder Magazine, Dave Goldberg, who unfortunately passed away about a week ago, which is, you know, unexpected and really, really sad. He was the CEO of SurveyMonkey, and I had the pleasure of interviewing him for the magazine for a front cover issue, issue 20. Also, his interview went live for episode number nine, and oh, it was, it's just so sad to hear how he suddenly uh, passed away. And uh, for the, those of you that are not familiar with Dave's story, he uh, is the husband to Sheryl Sandberg, who is the COO at Facebook, second in charge, and and she wrote this really, really amazing, deep. Facebook post about Dave and just the kind of person he was. And, you know, I only spoke to him for an hour, but the gold that he shared in that interview was just amazing. And he was a really good person, just even speaking to him and just the vibe that I got from him. And it sounds like he was an amazing person just from all the things that I've read about him. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, yeah, unfortunately, that he passed away and I want to share with you something that he left with me a really really powerful piece of advice that I've actually carried with me ever since I spoke to him you know over nine to ten months ago oh geez even longer close to a year ago and that was that there's a lot of arseholes out there so if you're nice to people you'll stand out and you'll go a long way And that's actually something that I found really profound when he told me that. And it's something that I am really, really mindful with every single interaction that I have from anyone. I don't, I try not to see anybody different to me. There's no levels like I'm up here and you're down there or you're up here and I'm down here. I just try and be polite and pleasant and that's just, it, it naturally, that's who I am, but I just wanted to share that with you guys because I think it's such a powerful piece of advice uh, and, and it can go a very, very long way. You know, I talk about marketing a lot and caring, you know, it's so important, you know, to care and it's one of the best marketing strategies out there. And It's not even a strategy, but just caring about your customers. People see that and people buy from people they trust. So, you know, if you actually give a damn, it'll make a difference in your business. That's it from me, guys. Um, about today's guest, his name is Sean Neff, and this guy is a super cool dude, and I was really, really excited to speak with him. Funnily enough, he connected with us on uh, Instagram. I don't know how he found us, but it, you know, at least six months ago, just a, not too long after we first started the Instagram account, he reached out to me and said, Hey, want to interview me for your your magazine and podcast? And he's like, hold it back. And I looked into this dude, this guy, and I was just like, wow, he's got a lot going on. He's a proven entrepreneur, really, really interesting guy. And uh, long story short, ten years ago, Sean launched a clothing line, and uh, a few years later, Snoop Dogg has endorsed his products, and he's had tons of other celebrities endorse his products and you know he's built a hundred million dollar business out of his clothing label neff and uh amazing story a lot of gold shared around building connections branding and entrepreneurship 101 you name it there's a lot of gold here guys so that's it from me let's just jump into the show but if you are enjoying these episodes and podcast interviews please do take the time to leave us a review it helps more than you can imagine And now let's jump in. Can you first tell us about how you got your job?
1: Crazy or not, this this was actually my first job ever. I was, you know, what, a sophomore, you know, just a sophomore in college and never really had a job. So, you know, always had kind of the dream to start a, you know, clothing brand, Surfsgate Snow kind of inspired brand. And, you know, always had that dream since high school, right? Like some kids dream they want to go play on, you know, a professional basketball team. I always wanted to have a, a clothing company that was reached out to to the youth. So basically when I was up in uh, – went up to school up in Utah at BYU. And I grew up in Southern California, so that was the first time I was living in Utah. But I was obviously up going, you know, near the mountains, so I was snowboarding – every day. So while, while being up at school, I said, all right, it's it's go time. I had this dream and passion for a while. I'm going for it. So basically printed uh, a handful of t-shirts and did that for about six months and ended up selling a couple thousand shirts just out of my backpack, walking around school, picking off kids that I thought looked cool. And I said, yo, want to rock a t-shirt, 20 bucks and, and literally... Kind of hustled t-shirts out of my backpack for about six months and the brand kind of started hitting uh, all the right kids and getting on kind of the influencers within the town and and uh, kind of got to a point where okay i built this cool little buzz in this little college town and how can i create this on a bigger scale so living up in utah I was surrounded by the biggest pro snowboarders in the world, and hanging out with those guys and snowboarding with them that i was I would always try to give them a t shirt to go snowboard when they'd go film and every time they said, "Hey, I can't do that, I have a you know deal with Burton and I have a deal with Quicksilver, and they had all these apparel deals, so I took home some of the a couple of the biggest pro snowboarders in the world's contracts, read them way late in the night, and the you know the lightning hit that. Back then, 12 years ago, there, there was no – headwear was not written in any of their contracts. So I basically said, all right, I'm going to get these influencers by putting hats on their head with NEP on it. I'm not going to be a clothing company. I'm going to be a headwear company. And that next day, didn't know how to make a hat or never dealt with you know overseas manufacturing. So I literally just went to a dollar store, bought 99-cent headbands and beanies. Wrote my last name on it with a Sharpie and had the ghettoest product ever, showed up at the event that weekend in Park City that was televised and handed out dollar beanies to the biggest pros in the world. And the guy that won first and third was live on TV, I think on NBC, wearing big handwritten F logos. So that's the start. Sorry. It was long, but that's the whole story.
0: Yeah, no, um, this, is, this is fascinating. And I'm curious. Back then, twelve years ago, how how were you like? Were you using the internet to distribute all around the world, or 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 how did that work?
1: It initially started with me just walking into a local shop. So obviously, the first time I was just selling it out of my backpack, um, and people would come to my house and and come to my apartment, and I'd lay out you know a handful of shirts, and they'd say I like that one, I like that one. I'd take their cash and give them a shirt and then we go so that was kind of the initial operation and then uh first of all I just went to the local snowboard shop it's called Milo which is still one of the most core snowboard shops in the country and I just walked in there and kind of pitched them here's the story and told them I have these big pro athletes that are now starting to wear it so opened up my first account right there in my college town and then uh from there you know we started getting a lot of write ups and all the biggest pros were starting to wear it so it was popping up on magazines and all over the culture so we had a lot of shops now reach out to my cell phone and I would handful handfully pick some key accounts in in certain areas and and ship them product and then it, it really triggered when you know the brand was literally being rocked by I call it the twenty most influential biggest snowboarders in the world, and they were all doing it for free because I was young and I was their homie and snowboarding with them. So did that grassroots run forever? But we had the biggest athletes in the world. If I had to pay those guys, I'd be have to be paying them probably two or three million bucks to get the team that I had mm-hmm. at that time. But they were doing it because it didn't conflict with any of their other sponsors. So the brand was getting thrown out there by these you know, these tastemakers and leaders within the snowboard industry. And then reps started calling me and I ended up putting a handful of reps um, on the brand, like a guy that lived in California and he was also the sales rep for Burton. So he went and literally put Neff in all the stores where Burton was in. And and that's how we started to build the business. It it wasn't online. It was all through, you know, the hype drove these sales reps to want to, you know, carry the brand and be the rep. And then I ended up going to a big trade show, the SIA trade show, which is the big snow show. And we had a booth there and that's where we started picking up most of the accounts.
0: Mm. And can we fast forward to now where you guys are at? So the audience can get a little bit of an insight to how far you've taken it in the past 12 years.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the brand now we're in, geez, over, over 50 countries. We're in every youth retailer in America, um, from the Zoomies, the Tillys, to PacSun, to the Macy's, to the Nordstroms, all the way down to the mom and pop, you know, Surfskate Snow Shop. So, you know, the brand's been on fire, and currently, you know, we make a lot of different categories. Right? We started in beanies, and beanies now is still one of our category leaders, but. You know, we made started making watches two years ago, and we've sold we've sold uh, we sold about a million watches almost a year and a half into it. Um, you know, from there we make outerwear now, snowboard gloves, full apparel. We do a lot of collaborations with a lot of the big artists, uh, from Wiz Khalifa to Dead Mouse to Snoop Dogg to Mac Miller to collaborations with Disney. Um, we've got a big collaboration coming out with the Simpsons later this year and, and also collaborations with sports guys. We've got Richard Sherman, who's kind of the face of the NFL, the, and then we've got an underwear collection that's dropping with Kevin Durant for holiday. So we're pretty much tied into a lot of the key personalities that, you know, the youth are engaged with.
0: Mm, Yeah. Look, it's amazing how far you've taken it. There's a lot I'd like to unpack here, but the first thing that really shouts out to me, and I'm sure people are dying to know, is what advice do you give for networking, man? Like, you must have some seriously good people skills to get, even when you first started to get all these pro snowboarders to to wear your headbands and, you know, would have, you had an A-player team that would cost millions of dollars to do these sponsorships. Like, how, how did you do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a networking freak. That's kind of my game plan, and and I think for me it's one just being real. I think a lot of people or a lot of businesses when they're pitched on you, it's it comes off as a sales pitch, you know, or it comes off as the intent is not delivered as natural. And yo, let's do something rad together and build. So I think I look at from when I started from convincing the number one, you know, biggest snowboarders in the world to. Where my dollar headbands with my name written on it with a Sharpie instead of going and getting a big contract with a, you know, big ski or snow brand. I think it was – it's just the delivery of just being real and authentic and saying, hey, you know, let's, let's build stuff together. You know, it's not about, hey, ride for my brand or, hey, you know, Wiz Khalifa, let's just not make something with your name on it for my brand and make money it's let's do something rad together. And, and, and we've been blessed to kind of penetrate the youth culture. So now we're in a very unique spot that, you know, we can alter kind of what kids wear and what they think of fashion. And, and, and it's a, it's a unique position to be in, you know, and I think the key is involving people and working one with people that, that I admire and, and that I want to work with, but two, sharing that vision of, Hey, let's go out and create something that, doesn't exist today that you know we can merge our fan bases together and, and stoke people out. So and and, and networking is kind of one of those where you know I, I think you either you have it or you don't. I don't think you can really learn it. You're either born with that ability to cruise around, identify. There's a hundred people in this room. You know who are the top one, two, and three influential guys that. I should be talking to, to potentially learn from or create something with. And that's kind of how I, I charter my evenings and nights and, you know, hunt down the right guys and, 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 and be real with them and vibe out with them on a normal level and tell them what you do and see if there's synergy. And if there's not, here's my info and we both are doing amazing things. I'm sure our past will connect later. That's kind of my vibe.
0: Mm. And I'm curious, how, how often are you meeting new people?
1: a lot um yeah huh. daily i would say you know we we're so entrenched you know with musicians and artists and athletes and managers and production houses and record labels and 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 that you know i've i've been in this now for a lot of years worked with a lot of you know people and and you know industries are small it's like i just got back from an event in colorado where it was 50 of the biggest brands in the world all together in youth culture. And we're all sitting at a table and literally between the 50 of us, there's, you know, we're dressing 70% of the kids that live, you know? So it was it was an insane opportunity, but we all fit in that one little room. So, you know, I've kind of penetrated that sports scene, the entertainment scene, you know, the action sports scene and the apparel scene. So it's, they're, they're small little groups. So once you can get in the party and, have some credibility. And I think treat, treat people right. That's my game of, you know, always say what you're going to do. Never, uh, go behind someone's back, never do a deal that's shady. Never, you know, a- anyone comes at you, you know, with a proposal and, 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 and you say, you know, that's the key is saying, you know, doing what you say you're going to do. Cause I think a lot of people in this realm and, you know, it's, there's a lot of shady business out there and, and, uh, I, I, that's just kind of how I roll and I get in, invited to a lot of different things. And it's the first time in my life that I'm, you know, turning down opportunities. I've been that no matter what party event, if I sensed there was any opportunity that would help my brand for the last 12 years, I've never missed that party or that get together or that event or that dinner. I was just psycho on that, making sure that I never left an opportunity you know, that potentially could have been. And I think that's part of my success is I just have that extreme drive to, you know, hey, if this potentially can do something that benefits the brand or a future opportunity, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I didn't show up.
0: Hmm. I'm curious, when you first started or or during this whole 12-year period, can you tell us about the tough times, the struggles? Was it always just uphill or?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's unique. Cause when I, I think that's the key to my success in the beginning was never really having a job and not really knowing what it takes to run a business, I think was my biggest advantage. Just being so naive on what it's going to take for this thing to actually work. You know, I was just a young kid that had a dream and there wasn't one person in this world that could have convinced me 12 years ago or 11 or 10 years ago that this thing wasn't going to happen. And it, and it wasn't based on, I, I thought I was the greatest thing in the world and, you know, or any, there was nothing leading towards success, right? No, (laughs) it it was just a a very young kid with a dream that, and, and it was a, more than a dream is that I believed it. Right. And I'm, it wasn't like, Oh, I hope the brand blows up. You know, it was like, yeah, we're going to blow up and next year we're going to do this and I'm going to do these five things to make sure we get there. So it was just kind of like I envisioned the brand in a sense of where it is today and, and me not knowing how hard it is and how lucky I had to be and everything had to be right in a million, a million times. I think that was my biggest factor of, of having success. And then, you know, the trials, it, it's interesting, right? It's like the first, the, the hard part is growing that brand, putting out a product that someone needs, that's different than already exists in the market. And and that's the hard part. And, and for me, that's when being so naive, it was just a great time to face those challenges because I didn't really think about them as building as hurdles or oh man this is tough I got to figure it out I just went and was solution oriented every five seconds right yeah. I, I probably got who knows twenty things that would happen a week that maybe a handful of those things someone would have been like I'm out or I can't do this business anymore or this is ridiculous this is never going to happen but I never thought like that once I just you know created an answer to this problem instantly and just went with a belief that it's going to happen. And and I would say struggles now just based on size of the company, a lot more employees, changing environments. Our brand has already been out there and you know, kids all over the world know it. We've been cool for a lot of years. So some of the challenges come now of just maintaining relevance and 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 continuing to be a leader once you've led for so many years just because the nature of a kid is it's cool i'm on it and then i'm gonna go do something else right it's like music and there's so much turnover in the youth but we've done a phenomenal job of staying relevant within youth culture and uh you know staying ahead of the curve so you know that's those are the biggest challenges is just you know when you're Put your last name on a shirt and there's a thousand other brands putting their name on a shirt and their brand, how do you convince that kid to buy yours and not the others? And and that's the continuous challenge and, and growing pains. I mean, you know, going from a handful of employees to a lot more employees to doing business in 10 countries to now 50 countries and, and, and just the logistic side and, and management of, A larger group, you know, brings challenges to make sure that everyone's staying on the same page, the same vision, and and has that same goal.
0: Yeah, I'm really curious, how do you guys stay ahead of the curb? How how do you always know what's cool and what kids want to wear?
1: You know, you just got to be in that scene, and, you know, I'm 35 now, so I'm at least young enough where I can still hang out in the right spots where the influential kids are and and kind of be entrenched in the industry. And, um, you know, so keeping my finger on the pulse is something that's very important with traveling and being at certain events. And, and we've got a very young marketing team, a very young design team. So relying upon their thoughts, their ideas, how they live their lives and, and really just gauging kind of what kids are into. I mean, social media is such a great tool to monitor and see what these kids are listening to what they're wearing and, and and us working with some of these big, you know, artists and musicians, which are the trendsetters, you know, part of our goal is we go out and try to create those trends, right? We take a, you know, we take an artist that has, you know, 10 million fans through, you know, their social media. And we dictate something that we both believe in and think that's rad. And then we go out and try to start that trend. So it's a, it's a never-ending battle, and it's very, very quick. You know, what's what's hot today, what, you know, is going to be lame tomorrow.
0: Mm. So you're always testing, right?
1: Yeah, testing. You can't be unique. I mean, our brand is wider than most in that we're all about, you know, having forever fun, and we're not pigeonholed to just a skate brand or just a snow brand or just not a streetwear brand. I mean, we're trying to be the thumbprint of youth culture, which allows us to – steer the ship uh, in a lot of different directions and pick up as many kids as we can. So, you know, with that being said, it allows us to yeah, test a lot of different artists and genres and musics and collaborations, which, you know, if you can get majority of those sticking, you're good.
0: Hmm. I read somewhere that you launched without a business plan or marketing strategy. What advice do you give to, you know, aspiring and novice entrepreneurs, do they need to plan that heavily?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, and I, I say that a lot, I think the more the more kids that I talk to about starting a business, it's a balance, right? I think it depends on where you are in your career and what age you are, right? Because in my opinion, when you're young, graduating from college, in college, couple years out of college, it, it, in my opinion, that's the best time to just roll the dice on an idea. Because you're smart enough to say, could this potentially work? But you're not entrenched in the overall planning and goals and and, and business plan and you know the the failures aren't in your face and seeing, you know, all that can take you down you know so for me i like the idea of believing in an idea or believing in a product that's that's needed in the market and believing in that sole purpose that it it's a need and you're going to create it i think is the most important thing and then from there depending on kind of where you are in your life you know the structure is important but i'm not you know, I think the more people spend time on business plans and and mapping out their one, three, five, seven year plan and allocating budgets and targets, I think that you start losing that entrepreneurial go of let's make this happen, you know, or mm-hmm. you, you're trying to make decisions based on a budget or make decisions based on a plan that you set seven months ago where the world changes and you know what, your plan might change a little bit. And and I think the idea of a business plan and 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 structuring it is good for, you know, if you have an investment or you're allocating certain dollars and it's smart, you should plan out where you're going to spend them. Who can you afford to hire? What are your needs? That type of stuff is important, but I think too many people get caught up in mapping out how the world's going to react to their, product based on a piece of paper which to me I don't agree with I'm curious you're
0: a privately owned company did you ever consider taking on investors or you never needed that
1: no yeah we're privately held but we uh we actually sold a bunch of the business to a private equity firm a couple years ago so I uh yeah I went and spoke at this nasdaq conference uh at the nasdaq building in New York a couple years ago and you know, I was not that familiar with private equity and it was, it was kind of a huge conference where all the big firms went and I spoke at it and little did I know the next day I'd have about 50 offers for my company. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh wow. And so that kind of got me triggered going, geez, I've been grinding this thing for 10 years. That's, that's amazing. I can, uh, have an opportunity to make, you know, that amount of, cash and 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 keep doing this so that kind of intrigued me but you know then then I kind of went out a little bit and researched and you know got a firm and we talked about some potential opportunities to kind of take the business to the next level and uh, went down the route with a large footwear company multi-billion dollar footwear company that had interest in buying the whole thing and I ended up not that ended up not going down and I was glad because You know, they were buying a huge piece of the company and I would potentially lose some control and and protection of my people. So we ended up doing a a deal with a private equity firm, which, you know, allows me to run creative final say, being, you know, kind of the CEO of the brand. And I can continue driving the ship and and, uh, was able to take some chips off the table and uh, get some funding behind it to get to the next level.
0: And how do you know, like, if if you do get an offer for for your business, like you did, how do you know whether to sell or not? Like, what what sort of thought process did you go through out of curiosity? Because I I've been in that position too, where someone's actually ex- I've had multiple offers to buy buy out the magazine and our brand, and I've I've turned away from that. But it's a very tough decision to make.
1: Yes, and I think it's 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 different for every business, right? When I mean, if if you can all of a sudden create the world's best new water company, and you know, water doesn't go out of style, and we're all going to need it, then I think you can hold on to that thing for a long time, you know, whereas I'm in a business of, you know, very trend driven, you know, youth culture driven business that changes every day. So for me, the assessment was, and, and, and looking at where your business at, right? I mean, everyone knows that you're going to trigger a sale off an EBITDA number, and And you have to you have to be very profitable and in there's multiples you know per your industry and what values your company. So you got to be smart about setting up and driving and managing your business to drive you know that multiple so you can get a good value out of the brand and what you're selling. But more importantly, it's got to be positioned where there's still a lot of upside, right? Because no one wants to invest or buy something that is shrinking or dying. So I think for me, it was a perfect time. I'd done it for 10 years. We've been in the game. So we've proven we're a long-term stable brand. So that, you know, hurdle was jumped, um, you know, and we were at a great side, a very healthy, profitable company. You know, we were content with where we are from an EBITDA standpoint and still, we, we were controlling our distribution in the sense that we were in all the right stores and we still had the majors and some of these bigger accounts that we hadn't sold to. So for that new investor, it was a very simple investment in a sense where, Hey, you've got this sturdy base. We see where the upside's going to be of where the brand could go. Um, so I think it's, if, if you're an owning, owning your company, I think one, it's, you know, it's, it's what do you want? Right. And, and for me, I felt like I got the best of both worlds because I was able to be compensated for the last 10 years of my life, just blood, sweat, and tears working on something. So it's great to be rewarded on that level. But then the route I went is I still want to own a chunk of this business. And, and that's why, why I chose to go the private equity route where I can, still have upside, you know, a lot of upside in the future growth of the business, but able to take some chips off the table to diminish that risk of being a lot of people who build something special and turn down a lot of offers. And three years later, their brand's not worth anything. So I've, I had plenty of conversations with people that have missed, turned down the hundred million dollar deal opportunity and uh, they end up selling their company and you know, for a dollar and the new guy's assuming the debt. Right. So mm. that happens. I think timing's everything, right? Timing's everything, whether you're selling a business, starting a business, doing a deal, you know, timing's everything. So real estate's location, 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 a brand is timing, timing, timing.
0: Your timing's always been spot on. Well, very spot on. Yeah. And-
1: most most of it has. Most of it has. I mean, you know, it's there's definitely things that you know you wish you can change or do better. But overall, you know, I think the last twelve, thirteen years I can sit in this chair and say, you know what, I've hustled as hard as I can, I've given it my all and uh a lot of stars have aligned and been very grateful and uh no regrets. I think that's that's the big word for me.
0: I'm curious, let's talk about branding. What advice do you have? Some just some really gold advice for our audience around branding. What it takes to build a really strong brand and a brand of longevity.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's initially it's kind of what what do you stand for, and and branding's unique because it can live. It, branding transitions with several different products and categories, right? Whether you know if you're a bank, it's your branding's more about building you know trust or. You know, whereas a brand like mine, you're trying to brand that you're cool, you know? So I think you have to, one, gauge whatever industry your product sits in, what's the what's the key factor that drives that consumer, right? If you're a clothing company, it's got to be cool. It's got to look cool. It's got to promote cool. You know, it's got to be something enticing that someone wants to wear, right? If, if it's a restaurant got freaking good food, you know? So it's about good food, it's about the experience. So if you just break it down, I think it's you know, whatever your product is and the category you're in, what what drives that consumer? And if you can figure out what what drives that consumer to buy your product over someone else, you got to own that and you got to work extremely hard to convince the consumer that hey, this is what we do. This is why we're good at it. And this is why you should buy our product. And, you know, when I look at branding in our space, you know, it's, it's being unique. It's being different. It's being trend setting. It's, it's what we did 10 years ago is not our playbook for next year. And, and, uh, so branding is unique because to be successful, I feel it's, it's per industry and, and being different, but you know, in the end, you have to have great product there's kind of the three things that I live by or if If you can have great product, you have great marketing story, and then if you can have a great ambassador, someone that is promoting your product those for me when those three align, having great product, a great story, marketing story, and then a great person promoting it, it almost never fails
0: i'm curious when you talk about story uh what is the NIF story
1: um for 2015 yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean our overarching story is forever fun i mean that's the biggest story we try to tell And, and in our business we tell stories that are more from a design and and storytelling perspective like coming into this next back to school collection we have a story that's you know, all about kind of hunting and fishing and outdoors. So there's a big trend of outdoor lifestyle and, and making that hip. Right. So, Mm. so we'll be telling that story from a product side. We're going to be telling a big story with Kevin Durant this year about, you know, one of the best athletes in the world. And and we're going to have, you know, functional active lifestyle underwear that we feel, you know, is a gap in the market. There's, no one owns the teenage underwear market unless it's a three-pack at Target. So we want to (laughs) be that, you know, we want to be that branded, you know, underwear where people think that's a cool underwear brand and it functions and it performs. So back to the great product, right? Make great Mm. functional underwear, great ambassador, Kevin Durant, and we're now creating a great marketing story on how to launch it. So, um, and at Neft we tell a lot of stories. I mean, we're in hip hop, we're in, I was just with Juicy J last night, and I flew—you know—we flew him out to a big event with one of our retailers, and he performed. And then I also brought King Batch, who has 10 million people on Vine, and he's one of the big, biggest social personalities in the world, right? So, kids nowadays—you can't—it's—you know—the overarching story is forever fun, but just like that kid on that phone, he's looking for. Five or six new things every time he gets on there to keep him entertained. So we always have to be shooting a lot of messages to resonate with the kids.
0: All right. Look, we have to work towards wrapping up. I'm loving this conversation. I could speak to your day, man. I
1: was
0: going to say, what has been your biggest sacrifices that you've had to make to get where you are today?
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, and the biggest sacrifices are probably time you know, I'm married, have two kids and that's always the balance. And, you know, what's made me successful is just, you know, never turn the lights off. Right. And always going, whether laying in bed and it's midnight and I'm firing off emails and, you know, triggering new ideas and concepts and talking with this artist that just texts me at 1am. And, wants an answer on something. I'm always going. So I think that's been my biggest sacrifice would be my personal time, you know, because when you have a job and I know it as an employer is it's a job, you get there at a certain time and you can leave at a certain time. When you own your own company, work hours don't exist. You're just, you're always on. And so I think that's a big sacrifice that I've laid out, you know, to build what I have is just you know, always going and never stopping. So that's probably one of the biggest sacrifices, in my opinion, for me.
0: Mm. And how how often do you work? People might find this interesting.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, I I'm in the office probably 70%, seventy percent, seventy seventy five percent of the time. I'm in the office, and and you know that other thirty twenty five percent call it rest of the time I'm just out working but networking, right? Going to events, meeting with artists, going to parties, you know, and and meeting with retailers and 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 driving kind of the business. So, you know, I'm pretty much I mean, on Monday through Friday it's go time and a lot of a lot of weekends, you know, it's getting less and less on the weekends nowadays, but there's always, you know, our brand is how big it is and where we're at. There's always something going on every day in a certain area. So it's it's just prioritizing and, and picking off what I can chew. But yeah, the hours are pretty much nonstop, man.
0: Okay, last question. Out of all your success, what do you value the most?
1: Yeah, for me, it's just the the enjoyment of just seeing what I've created just in the world and out in the market. I mean, still, every time I, you know, hopping in my car, dropping my kids off at school. And, you know, there's a bunch of kids that have Neff backpacks or beanies on, and you know, and, and then I, at night and I'm turning on the TV and some artist is wearing some Neff product or Richard Sherman's, Doing this, you know, big thing on Sports Center, wearing his Neff sunglasses, and you know, for me, that's the that's the that's the biggest accomplishment is just to see this, you know, dream and passion idea that I had several years ago to kind of come true, and just see people rocking it and wearing it, and and being influential to youth culture. I think that's the raddest thing for me is just. You know, being able to penetrate the youth culture and 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 be a part of that.
0: Yeah, no, that must be a great feeling. Um, also, do you have any advice for aspiring novice entrepreneurs, our audience? What What are some like good pieces of advice? Best piece of advice you would give
1: in the apparel industry?
0: No, or, just entrepreneurs, just trying. You know, our audience trying to build a successful business.
1: You know, be smart about it you know, make sure that it's an idea that not only you thinks great, but a handful of your closest people around you thinks great. Cause a lot of times people can get so caught up in their own idea that they block out normality or they block out reality that they're just chasing a pipe dream that never can really come true. So I think the initial step is just, gauging that idea and, and believing in it but making sure that you've talked to your your trusted people your family or your friends or your other successful people you know and vet out that idea and make sure people don't look at you and think you're crazy and still if they do look at you and think you're crazy you know i i'm still a fan of 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 driving that passion and and building something but you come across a lot of people that are stuck on the same dream and it's 10 years into it and uh, they don't know when to give up. So that's kind of the, the sad advice, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk <laughs> about that, <laughs> but I think the positive, cause you know the drill, you talked to a lot of people, there's just so mm-hmm. many people who are like, yo dude, like no one's buying VC, you know, VCR, you know, freaking tapes anymore for, to watch movies. So stop thinking about it. But I think the the best advice is, you know, shoot for the moon and hopefully, you know, you land on Jupiter. It's just kind of, for me, when I started, started this thing, it was just, you just, you just in visualizing picture that you're going to make it, you're going to do it. And, and you literally live, operate and and personal drive every day that it's going to happen. So I think to believe in yourself and believe in the idea is probably some of the best advice because that pure intuition of, you know what, I believe in this and I'm going to make it happen, I think that's 90% of the drive. And the other 10% is your business plan and this and that. But those pure ideas, if if you believe it and it's there's something in the back of your mind that's telling you to do it, that monkey sitting on your shoulder saying – hey, maybe you should leave that job because you've been thinking about it for a year or two and there's still that little monkey on your shoulder that's saying, man, that's a good idea you have. At least you got to roll the dice and, and and that's how I roll. I'd rather fail trying than go to bed at night thinking that something amazing could have happened. Mm. Maybe there's something in all that that you can put together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, look, um, thank you so much for... Your time. I really enjoyed speaking with you, Sean.
1: The Founder Podcast has come to a close, but it's not time to sleep. It's time to hustle. Download the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine for free right now by visiting foundermag.com/branson. Again, that's an
0: absolutely free download of the Richard Branson issue of Founder Magazine containing an exclusive interview with the man himself. It's only available at foundermag.com slash Branson. So download it now and we'll see you next time on the Founder Podcast.